Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. You are listening to Radio Free America. Radio Free America. First, Chuck Schumer was on MSNBC on Saturday, so that means nobody heard him or saw him, but we did. Does this fool know that he has 50 members in the Senate? He doesn't have a majority. It's just that the vice president can break ties. He has no mandate, let alone a mandate to fundamentally change America. That they almost lost the House. They only have a 10 or 11 vote lead there. And the only reason we say 10 or 11 is they're trying to steal an election in New York. In other words, for all the attacks on Donald Trump by the feckless Bushies, by the idiotic never-Trumpers, and by the clowns in the media, Donald Trump saved the Republican Party in the House and in the Senate. There's absolutely no question about that. And you may recall early on that they thought they might lose five to seven seats in the Senate. Now, we lost two seats in Georgia for several reasons. Number one, the National Republican Senatorial Committee is a disaster, and it's run by Mitch McConnell. Number two, the two candidates were a disaster, quite frankly. Unless you like voting for mannequins and womankins, or whatever they call the female version. Although, when those mannequins were out close, they don't have genitalia, do they, Mr. Producer? Not that I'm looking closely, but I don't think they do. Nonetheless, I want to show you what we're up against here, ladies and gentlemen. The neo-Marxist Democrat Party, that's exactly what it is. Their party, their media... They're tech companies. Chuck Schumer has 50 votes in the Senate, and he has to rely on Kamala Harris. 
But they've got bold ideas in mind. They want to make America, California, and New York forevermore. They want a one-party country where allegiance is to the party. It's not enough that King Biden is sitting there signing one declaration after another in, in a fascistic dictatorial mode. And I want you to hear what Schumer had to say on Saturday on MSLSD. Cut one, go. We have one goal, big, bold change in America. Now let's stop. Why do we need big, bold change in the greatest country on the face of the earth? Think about it. Think about it. Why do we need big, bold, centralized, ubiquitous government in the greatest country on the face of the earth? Why? There's no rational reason unless you're a power-hungry Democrat leader who wants to make challenges to your power, almost impossible, and who wants to devour as much of the private sector as he possibly can. These people are anti-American. Hello, un-American. Do you hear me, Media Matters? Do you hear me, Mediaite? Un-American. They never talk about constitutionalism. They never talk about capitalism. They never talk about private property rights, individual liberty, unless they use them in a sentence in which they are trashing them. And what they are seeking to do now is a death blow to liberty. That's right, I said it, and it's true. As I said on Sunday's Life, Liberty, and Levin, and you really should watch it, in my humble opinion, and if you can't, you should DVR it. As I (coughs) said to Judge Starr, there are two things going on at once. Two things going on at once that's really never happened in this country before. On the one hand, we have a monarchy in Joe Biden. Over 40 executive actions bypassing the legislature. So we have that going on. But at the same time, we have a mobocracy. We have a monarchy and a mobocracy. Well, how can you have them at the same time? Because what the framers assumed is that these elected officials will have some level of virtue because the people electing them would have some level of virtue. It turns out it's not true. So you can build whatever edifice you wish. But if the people voting don't have virtue, sending these Democrats to Washington, D.C. to burn everything down and to deliver them the goods, it's impossible to set up any kind of government to contain such insanity. So we have in the Senate and in the House a mob, a mob that doesn't want to work with the Republicans, a mob that wants to institute and enshrine as much fundamental damage to the United States Constitution as possible. They want to control the bureaucracy. They want to control the election processes. They want to control the courts. And this is true. So let's stop from the t- start from the top. Chuck Schumer on MSNBC Saturday. Go. We have one goal. Big, bold change in America. We would like the Republicans to join us in some of those things, at least. And maybe we want they- the Republicans to join us to help us destroy this republic and replace it 
with some kind of tyranny and empower the Democrat Party. That's what they want the Republicans to do. And there's some Republicans who will do it. Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Ben Sass, Mitt Romney, apparently Toomey on the way out the door. Oh, there's some Republicans who will help them. A lot. Kingsinger in the House. Cheney in the House. Go ahead. But we are going to get that change no matter what. We cannot. Now listen to that. He's the leader of 50 senators, himself included, in the Senate. A minor, small, thin lead in the House. We're going to get that change no matter what. No matter what. Who sounds like Putin now? Who sounds like Xi now? Who sounds like some imam in the Middle East now? Go ahead. Demand. Three huge issues we have to do. Climate, huge issue facing the country. Racial and economic inequality. Which is uh, not- uh, inequity, you idiot. Don't you have the, uh, the language down yet? Go ahead. First, not better, which demands change and justice in a big, bold way. And improving our democracy. So, remember what I said. Whatever they say they're improving or reforming or fixing, they're doing the opposite. Climate. Why is climate so big to these people? Because it is a way to destroy capitalism and to grab as much power as possible. Climate is everywhere. Climate change. Air, water, whatever. So, that is uh, an enormous amount of power that they seek to exercise. Okay, that's number one. Number two, racial and economic inequality. What does that mean exactly, racial and economic inequality? Let me, let me give you a hint. It has nothing to do with racial and economic inequality. It has to do with neo-Marxism and Marxism. It's critical race theory. And what he means by that is, and why the language has subtly changed as we pointed out, from racial equality to, inequi- to inequity. They don't believe that equality or inequality goes far enough. They don't believe the civil rights movement goes far enough. They don't believe Brown versus Board of Education goes far enough. You have a white-dominant, white-privileged society. And this is why you hear this all the time, because what used to be considered crack- <coughs> excuse me, crackpot radicalism at Harvard Law School and Stanford Law School and everything, with a cabal of kook law professors, has now moved itself into the society. You even hear idiots on TV talking about it. So that's, that, these, are, these are fundamental changes to America which will limit the liberty, the opportunity, the prosperity, the rights, the mobility of every citizen in this country. So what he's talking about with these three big, bold changes, big changes in America, is neo-Marxism. Now the idiots at Mediate and Media Matters don't even know what I'm talking about. Chuck Todd, that idiot, George Stefanov, another idiot, these are low IQ buffoons. But trust me when I tell you this is exactly what's going on here. Go ahead. D.C. estate, um, uh, automatic voter registration, getting rid of Citizens United, all the things embodied in H.R. 1. Just listen to what he said. 
Making D.C. a state, the Constitution carves out the territory of the District of Columbia. They don't have the power to make it a state via statute, even though they're going to try and gerrymander it. No, they don't. Automatic voter registration all over the country, automatic receipt of mail-in ballots all over the country, getting rid of Citizens United, in other words, toppling free speech in the First Amendment, all Citizens United is, is a Supreme Court decision that said individuals can spend whatever they wish to communicate with their fellow Americans on issues. Not backing any particular candidate. He has a problem with that, even though it's the party and Biden is the candidate of dark money. And so they've put this all in H.R. 1 and more to make it impossible for Republicans to win the presidency, to make it impossible for Republicans to win the Senate, plus adding more senators for the Democrats. And this is their goal. And we actually have Republicans in this country who are diverted on other issues, who say, we want to work with the Democrats. They don't want to defeat them. They don't want to defeat their agenda. They want to work with them. It's incredible. It is insane. This is unhinged. No wonder big tech is going around censoring everybody they possibly can on the conservative side. No wonder big media is filled with a bunch of reprobates fresh out of political science class or fresh off Capitol Hill or who've worked for Democrats in other places in order to spew lies and propaganda and social activism day in and day out. Go ahead. Passed and McConnell would block up, but we're going to fight to pass it in the Senate. That's why we made it S-1. So climate, racial inequality, economic inequality, and democracy. I, I don't understand something. Why does half the world try to come to America with racial inequality, economic inequality, climate disasters? Why would anybody come to such a country? I want you to listen to me and listen to me carefully. And I know my words are being taken down by the enemy, and that's okay. Not the adversary, the enemy of this country. These people are at political war with our freedom, with our constitution, and with our society. They mean to take it down. It is they who are inciting anger and fury and division. It is they who are inciting hatred. Not me, not you, it is them. All we want to be is left alone. All we want to be is left to live our lives. We don't want to discriminate against anybody, and we don't want to be discriminated against. We don't want the system fixed, the franchise fixed in a way that only one party comes out on top. Only one party. But look at everything they propose violates the Constitution or as an attack on capitalism. D.C. statehood violates the Constitution. Automatic voter registration and anything else they put in H.R. 1 violates the Constitution. Why? Because the framers left it to the states to determine how they wanted to handle registration. There was no such thing, but let's registration, parties, the, day, the uh, time you can vote whether there's mail-in voting in modern times and so forth, they left it to the states. But they want to nationalize that. They want to nationalize the First Amendment and free speech. 
and determine what is and isn't speech. Every single one of the things they are proposing here is intended to to roll over our constitutional barriers. Every damn one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. There's 50 Republicans in the Senate. They need to be able to tie up the Democrats in every way conceivable. There's almost a majority of Republicans in the House. They need to think of every way possible to put these so-called handful of moderates in a position where they're scared to death they're going to lose their jobs. And I want to explain something to you, and I'm going to have to carry it over after the bottom of the hour. I touched on this the other day. The Democrats are not acting in the national interest The Democrats are not acting on behalf of the country. The Democrats are not acting for we the people. Everything that Chuck Schumer just said here is intended to empower Chuck Schumer and the Democrat Party. Increasing Democrats in the Senate. Changing the voting system. Eliminating free speech. So-called racial inequality, which is an attack on the suburbs and an attack on the rural areas and so forth. We know what they're talking about. Economic inequality, which is a push for socialism and neo-Marxism, which they believe will strengthen the Democrat Party because it will strengthen the central government. Their entire agenda is intended to empower the Democrat Party and uh, the Democrat base. Even look at all the redistribution of wealth that's taking place, as I said before. It's redistribution of wealth in large measure. From Republicans and Republican constituents to Democrats and Democrat constituents. From the suburbs and the rural areas to the cities. That is exactly what's going on. It's the greatest power grab in American history. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. 
We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. conservative voice the mark levin show dial in now 877-381-3811 it's not just a matter of being a powerful conservative voice it's a matter of using whatever god-given talent you have to defend this republic and i'm here behind this microphone and i believe the arguments i make and the positions i take at the point of the spear. And this is why I shouldn't get annoyed why other people glom onto them. Maybe, maybe we need them to glom on them. We, we need to spread the word. Because what's happening right now is a massive assault on the country, on the Constitution, on the Republican Party, but they're too stupid to know it. On the whole system by a political party, the Democrat Party. That is trying to use the law and the federal bureaucracy to empower its base and to enshrine its decisions and to immunize them from any future votes. They're trying to turn the election system inside out, steal the authority from the states. And impose the election processes that have been used by the Democrats to destroy their states and to destroy competition in their states. One party. And so they are using the policies that the Democrat Party in California used. When they got power finally, they made sure they'd never lose it again. And now you not only have veto-proof majorities... In the California legislature, you have super-duper veto-proof of majorities. In other words, a Republican cannot win that state. Statewide. Period. Period. And it was changed in a period of about 10 to 12 years. As so many other states are changing now. The Democrat Party is on a power binge. And they are not going to let go. They do not have a majority in the Senate. Schumer is not the majority leader. They have a tiebreaker in the vice president. And they're going to use that. They're going to use that. To destroy major chunks of our constitutional system. They do not have a significant majority in the House. They have a small thin majority in the House. They have no mandate for that which they intend to do. None. None. 
They're strengthening their base. They're strengthening their constituent groups. They're setting them up for legal protection. They're setting them up for massive transfer of wealth to them from the opposition base. That is exactly what's going on. They use nomenclature like climate change and racial inequity and economic inequality for the purpose of empowering themselves. Empowering themselves. That's their plan. The reason they want to attack the Supreme Court isn't because they don't get good decisions, a lot of them, from their perspective out of the Supreme Court. It's because they want all decisions out of the Supreme Court supporting their radical, unconstitutional, anti-American agenda. There, I laid it out. Schumer talks about wanting to undo the horrible decisions of the court. They they defanged the Voting Rights Act. The Voting Rights Act hasn't been defanged. One section of the Voting Rights Act in which the federal government was controlling virtually every electoral decision by certain states in the South. After decades and decades under the Voting Rights Act, the Department of Justice determined that that kind of federal authority over those states was no longer necessary. But you see, when you're race-baiting, and when you see everything through the prism and lens of race, which is the whole idea of critical race theory and identity politics and all the rest, you cannot give it up. And you must condemn those who dare to disagree with you. So in addition, what's taking place? We have fascists fascists running big tech who are censoring people and organizations left and right that have nothing to do with violence, nothing to do with violence whatsoever. You literally have media figures who are insisting that their competitors be shut down. CNN is insisting that Fox be shut down. That the cable carriers stop carrying Fox. You have individuals who are news people, quote unquote, who talk about deprogramming anybody who voted for Trump. Now, how would they go about that exactly? You have publishers like Simon and Schuster, which are supposed to be defending books, controversial books. All books. Which told a United States senator who had signed up with him to hit the road. Not because of anything he written, he wrote. But because of what the media and the Democrats and the Never Trumpers are saying about that senator. You have this so-called cancel culture, which is really too passive. With the institutions that are controlled by the left and the Democrats, which are the vast majority of them whether they're universities and faculty, whether they're major corporations, what have you, are literally removing people, firing people, or stunting their career advancement because of their viewpoints, because of 
whom they voted for. And that's not only being tolerated, it's being celebrated. And then on top of that, you have a president of the United States who thinks he's Benito Mussolini sitting there signing one law after another. The problem is nobody passed the law. Nobody even passed the law. The Democrat Party is not a party of the people. The Democrat Party is not a party of the Constitution. The Democrat Party is not a party of minorities. It uses minorities. It abuses minorities. The Democrat Party is a neo-Marxist, European-style party. That's what it is. That's what it's become. It'll say anything, even if it's damaging to this society, even if it's damaging to people in this society. It'll light fuses, political fuses, everywhere it can. It creates tumult and controversy and provocation wherever it can. There are virtually no limits to what it's capable of doing like trying to unseat a legitimately elected president of the United States and then trying to unseat United States senators and members of the House of the opposite party who dared to raise questions about the election. Not something so crazy and insane as Russia collusion, mind you. These are people who are glad. Rogue FBI director, deputy director, associate director, and FBI agents tried to scuttle the candidacy of the Republican candidate, Donald Trump. They're glad the FISA court was abused. They're glad our intelligence agencies were unmasking innocent citizens. They're thrilled by all of this. The media are too. The media are too. The media have given up any concept of professionalism. Any concept of professionalism. The fact is, even the relative handful of journalists who are really journalists and want to be journalists are scared to death. They're scared to death. Because if they don't fall into line and goose step behind CNN and MSNBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times and NBC and CBS and ABC... They will be attacked relentlessly as sellouts, as right-wingers. And the worst thing you can be called in the media is a right-winger. Oh, my God, don't say that. Oh, oh, no, no, you must be a right-winger. Every aspect of governance in this society is turned into something that is foreign, that is alien, and that is used to empower the Democrat Party in its base and used against those of you who want to be free. I'll give you a perfect example. Gina McCarthy used to be the head of the EPA. She's a radical, unhinged nut job. She's now the national climate advisor. So we have a national climate advisor. We have John Kerry, who is the climate czar. We have a head of the EPA. We've got climate knuckleheads everywhere. And what did she say about 
climate change. Listen to this. Cut to go. Climate change is a racial justice issue because it exacerbates the challenges in the communities that have been left behind. It goes after the very same communities that pollution has held back and racism has held back. And it's our opportunity. This is the Hill newspaper, which has gone hard left, in my view. So you see how they... uh, how they intermix these issues. How they fuse all these issues. So you see, if you're not acknowledging climate change and you don't want to address it, then you must believe in racial injustice. You go, what? What are you talking about? Well, roads go through minority neighborhoods. Well, roads go through everybody's. No, you don't understand. There's energy plants and everybody's there. I have an energy plant right down the street. Well, no, 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 you don't understand. It's climate climate change we have to acknowledge it we have to destroy our economic system we have to empower centralized government to control who lives where and how and federal zoning because otherwise it promotes racial injustice what's happened here is every crackpot idea and scheme thought up in law schools, thought up in colleges and universities, thought up in the faculty lounge, are now being instituted in our society. Years and years ago, I told you when people said, well, ignore the intellectuals, I said, no, pay attention to the intellectuals because they're the dangerous ones. Ideas do have consequences. Ideas have consequences. These ideas didn't come out of the Union Hall. These ideas didn't come out of the Civil Rights Movement. These ideas didn't come out of a diner. No, no, no. These ideas came out of colleges and universities working very closely with the Democrat Party and the hard left. That's what's going on here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things. And it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Now, next hour, we're going to talk about this impeachment stuff a little bit, not as you might expect, but the same 
context, what is the Democrat Party trying to do? The Democrat Party is trying to destroy the Republican Party. Unfortunately, too many establishment Republicans are too stupid to understand what's taking place. You see, working men and women in this country, union and non-union, have no place to go but the Republican Party. It's like the Tea Party movement 10 years ago. But the Republicans are too stupid to understand this. They think they need the Chamber of Commerce and illegal aliens. And the, the boardrooms in America, which hate their guts anyway. But I want to address this in more detail next hour. That failure to defend this president, that is Trump, and to defend him on substantive grounds and start ignoring the Wall Street Journal editorial page and National Review and the other knuckleheads is critical. The Republican Party is not only going to survive, but advance. The Democrats are very happy with repression. They believe in repression. They believe in repressing those with whom they disagree. They don't even have a problem with those with whom they agree, rioting violently, as we saw this summer. If you watch this stuff carefully, they reveal themselves. You know, you could ask my wife, but she's not here to ask. I stay up very, very late, sometimes till 2, 3, 4 in the morning, or I get up very early, 4, 5, 6 in the morning, it depends. I don't sleep very well ever, but I don't sleep very well these days for sure. I'm trying to figure out exactly what's taking place. I'm trying to figure out what I can say about it. I'm trying to figure out what we can do about it. And I know many of you are having exactly the same problem. But I want you to know I share deeply your concern for the future of this country. Deeply. I see exactly what's going on, and I know exactly why it's going on. Which I think the explanation in the early part of this hour lays out. This is the greatest power grab by one political party in American history. That is, ever. Ever. And it's across the board. This is one of the reasons they wanted Donald Trump out of the way. This is one of the reasons they wanted to destroy him. It's not because Donald Trump knew what they were doing. It's because he opposed what they were doing as a sensible individual. It was common sense to him as a patriotic individual. He got in the way of Obama's third term. It was supposed to be Hillary Clinton for eight years, and then the next one for eight years, and the next one. And they couldn't believe Trump disrupted it. And so they had to tear him down. They had to try and ruin him. They needed to try and get him out by hook or by crook. He was saying things they didn't like, and he was saying it in ways that exposed them, exposed the media, exposed Pelosi, exposed Schumer. They wanted a Romney or a McCain-type guy they could kick around who has no attachment to the general will of the people or the public generally. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, I don't know Kyle Becker. He has a, uh, a site, and um, norm or not, he's written something that's very, very well put together, something we've talked about, but I like the way he lays it out here, and I want to share it with you. And he writes, the Trump incitement narrative about the Capitol riot is falling apart before our very eyes. The evidence is piling up that no such thing could have occurred. Says it's been nearly universal media narrative following the Capitol siege of January 6th. Donald Trump's speech incited an insurrection. The evidence, however, is piling up that no such thing could have occurred. Let's briefly retrace the accusations and known evidence. On January 6th, amid a large gathering at the nation's capital, protest what millions of Americans perceived to be illegitimately held elections in key swing states, the former president gave a speech. The timing of the speech was the convening of the joint session of Congress to validate the slates of electors from the Electoral College. It has been argued that Donald Trump's language at the speech, including his using the words fight, quote-unquote, was deliberately incendiary. But let's take a look at the actual language of the speech. Trump deliberately says fight in the commonplace political context. Trump said, for years, Democrats have gotten away with election fraud and weak Republicans, and that's what they are. There's so many weak Republicans, and we have great ones, Jim Jordan and some of these guys. They're out there fighting. The House guys are fighting. But it's incredible. Now, it should be noted further that allegations of election fraud are not incitement. Indeed, the same mainstream media accusing Trump of inciting the crowd with fraud allegations accused Donald Trump himself of perpetuating fraud in the 2016 election, as you well know. Here are a smattering of headlines. New Yorker. How Russia helped swing the election for Trump. Time. Here's what we know so far about Russia's 2016 meddling. CNN. 2016 presidential campaign hacking fast facts. There were breathless nightly accusations from Rachel Maddow about Trump-Russia collusion. Hillary Clinton repeatedly disputed the legitimacy of Trump's election in 2016 based on such allegations. She even called him an illegitimate president. The entire teetering edifice of daily lies and accusations about Trump came crashing down with the Mueller report. Robert Mueller was the left's white knight tapped to bring down the president with evidence that he had colluded with the Russians to rig the 2016 election. No such evidence was ever produced. The entire narrative was debunked. Much like the Trump incitement narrative will prove debunked. Beyond the obvious point that Trump specifically told the crowd to, quote, 
peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, unquote. There is nothing remarkable about this particular Trump speech. It is filled with bromides and shopworn phrases that he has used for years to excite his base. The only difference this time was that there was a pre-planned plot to incite violence and rioting at the Capitol. The Washington Post earlier reported that the Capitol Police warned the Congress many times, days before the riot, that the building could be attacked. This is a point that is gaining traction. And here's what Just the News, the great site Just the News, said in a recent piece. Drawing evidence of advanced planning and coordination of the January 6th storming of the Capitol undermines claims that the rioters were, were responding spontaneously to former President Trump's speech to supporters about a mile and a half away, according to legal and intelligence experts. Now, the now-resigned Capitol Police chief inexplicably was turned down six times to his requests that security be increased. The National Guard was instructed to maintain a weak presence and low visibility. Michael Yan, the nation's most experienced war correspondent, reported that the security presence made little sense, and he detected numerous suspect things about the mix of groups in the crowd. Now the report's further solidifying the obvious. The pipe bombs placed at the RNC and DNC, among other places, potentially as a diversion for an attack on a Capitol building, were placed there the night before. <coughs> CNN noted, quote, two pipe bombs near the Democratic and Republican Party headquarters discovered on January 6th were planted the night before the insurrection at the Capitol, the FBI said Friday. Now, this is extremely problematic for the narrative about Trump's speech inciting the Capitol building attack. In combination with these facts, a former high-ranking FBI official explains that it's extremely unlikely that Trump's speech could qualify as incitement by any reasonable legal standard. He said, for speech to meet the threshold of incitement, a speaker must first indicate a desire for violence and second, demonstrate a capability or reasonable indication of capability to carry out the violence, according to Kevin Brock, former assistant director of intelligence for the FBI. It's quite obvious. The president of the United States, as commander-in-chief, and I've pointed this out many times, of the armed forces and head of some of the most powerful intelligence agencies in the world, were not incite an insurrection or coup from a mob of common political supporters and amateurish rabble like these fellows, who are suspiciously emblematic of the media's warped reading of who is likely to be a Trump supporter. Now this is especially true given that Republicans in the House and Senate were poised to make the president's case that election fraud or or at the least unlawful election processes had indeed taken place in several swing states. And it given now President Biden an unfair advantage, and it goes on. There is not only double negative, no evidence of incitement. There's lots of evidence of planning pre-protest and pre-Trump speech. Moreover, as I pointed out the other week, the New York Times itself, when you did a timeline based on their reporting and the memo that they acquired, it would indicate 
from their own reporting that the siege of the Capitol building began 20 minutes before Donald Trump even finished his speech. So we have unequivocal evidence of uh, planning for a violent attack on the Capitol before the protest date. We have unequivocal evidence that the Capitol was attacked before the president finished his speech. We have unequivocal evidence in the president's speech that he didn't incite anybody to do anything. This is like Russia collusion all over again, isn't it, Mr. Producer? It's like Russia collusion all over again. Washington Post. Pipe bombs found their capital on January 6th were believed to have been placed the night before. January 29, that report, underreported, of course. But then there's this. Also the Washington Post. They needed four reporters to write this. Mike DeBonis, Tom Hamburger, who's a cheeseburger, Corin Demerajin, whatever, and Amy Gardner. House Democrats building elaborate, emotionally charged case against Trump. So these radical, know-nothing Democrats in the House are leaking to their favorite media friends and outlets what it is they plan to do. And notice, elaborate, emotionally charged case against Trump. And that's the purpose. An elaborate, emotionally charged case. Maybe they're going to incite Mr. Producer. Is that their purpose? House Democrats have sought out new cell phone footage of the Capitol siege, as well as updated details about injured police officers as they seek to build an emotionally compelling impeachment case against former President Trump. What does that have to do with the president inciting anything? Absolutely nothing. Zero. So the Democrat Party is doing this. Why? Because they believe in what they're saying? No, they're liars and they know they're liars. In addition to destroying the constitutional order, in addition to hopefully, from their perspective, destroying the franchise and separation of powers and the legislative process, they wish to divide the Republican Party between the establishment and the non-establishment. Between the establishment and Main Street. And they know that despite how the establishment Republicans will vote, they know that those establishment Republicans share the Democrat Party's contempt for the Republican president who got more votes than any Republican in American history. More votes across the board than any Republican in American history. And so what they want to do is make him as controversial as possible beyond all the things they've thrown at Trump before they're throwing this at him too. They do not want to see Trump ever again. They do not want so many people excited and truly engaged in politics in their country as they saw 
behind the Trump rebellion and the Trump movement. They want to make sure their next Republican nominee is another loser like Romney or McCain or a Bush or what have you. They don't ever want to see the likes of a Donald Trump again any more than they wanted to see the likes of a Ronald Reagan again or way back when a Calvin Coolidge again. In other words, they want to pick who the Republicans pick. I noticed that the media, that is the Democrat propagandists in this country, are slobbering all over their favorite congressman, that would be Adam Kingsinger of Illinois. He got a kiss-ass piece in the Washington Post. He got a kiss-ass piece in Politico. I think they're sister publications. I could be wrong. Poor Adam. Poor Adam. He's being called all kinds of things like evil and diabolical. He's really stressed out from family and friend alike. This is a man who voted against Trump in 2016. If he had had his way, Hillary Clinton would have been president. Imagine that. And he opposed Trump again in 2020. I hope he's happy now. We have Joe Biden. I hope he's happy now with the juggernaut of anti-constitutionalism and anti-Americanism that is swirling around. I hope he's happy now. Actually, I don't give a damn about the guy, but you get my point. Then there's Liz Cheney. who's come on this program before, who I've liked very much. I've liked her family. And it wasn't merely that she voted for impeachment, that would be bad enough. It's what she said. She sounded like Adam Schiff. She sounded like Nancy Pelosi. She sounded like Chuck Schumer. And she convicted the President of the United States without one syllable of testimony or evidence of any kind. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Dana Bash, the GOP Senator Rob Portman, retired because he says we can't get any compromise here. How about defending the uh, Republic, sir? That's a little above his head, I'm afraid. 
He was a nice guy, but you know what they say about nice guys. Dana Bash at CNN. Tell me if you can distinguish between her and a Democrat. Cut four, go. But if you don't vote yes, aren't you excusing it? You say it's inexcusable if you don't vote yes. One could argue that you are doing just that. You are excusing. See, if you don't vote to remove Donald Trump, who's already removed, that's the first step before you can banish them from ever serving in public office again. That's why it's irrational. It doesn't make any sense, and it's not what the framers said or intended. Uh, It's seriatim. One thing happens, then the next thing. Listen to her, what Dana Bad, if you don't vote, you know, to convict, then you're excusing his behavior. What behavior? You may not like what he said. You may not like that he objected to the outcome of the election, but so what? See, if you don't vote, this is the media. If you don't vote, you don't vote to convict him. If you don't chase him down in Mar-a-Lago and burn a scarlet letter into his forehead, then aren't you excusing an insurrection, sir? That's CNN. Go ahead. Well, it can be inexcusable and yet not be uh, subject to a conviction after a president has left office. If you look at the Constitution, and there aren't that many words about impeachment, so it's easy to do, and I encourage your viewers to do so, it's always connected with removal from office. And this is why the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court uh, refuses to come and preside over this trial. Well, sir, you've mentioned the Constitution. You do understand that she doesn't care about that. Moreover, it would be nice if you guys grew a backbone and explained that the president didn't incite an insurrection. But they can't do that. They won't do that. And the media insists on it. Here we have a guy by the name of Senator Van Hollen of Maryland, a complete moron, being questioned by Democrat Obama former appointee Jim Shuto. On the Constipated News Network. You see how this works? It's all so grotesque. Cut five, go. You do have some of your Democratic colleagues, Tim Kaine among them, who say, listen, conviction conviction ain't going to happen here. Let's find a separate path. Let's censure the president instead. What's your response to that option? My response is Tim Kaine is as dumb as a doorknob. Show me where in the Constitution censure exists. It's been used once against the president, Andrew Jackson. It was eventually reversed. There is no censure in the Constitution, just like you can't um, vote to call a president a kumquat or a cucumber. has as much relevance as censure. Anyway, here's Van Hollen. As we need to go forward with the trial, it is our constitutional obligation. No, it's not your constitutional obligation. Your constitutional obligation is to uphold the Constitution, you idiot, not shred it and burn it like you're at some crime scene. Not to pack the court, pack the Senate, roll through the filibuster, change the voting system. Don't you love these leftists? You know, it's my job to uphold the Constitution. Then resign your ass, you jerk. Your whole ideology is anti-Constitution. Van Hollen. What's his first name? I don't even know. His, uh, Chris. Oh, Chris. Chris Van Hollen. He'll go down in the annals of history, no question about that. I'll be right back. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. 
You never heard of John Berman before, and it's a good thing. He's a very stupid man. Hence, he gets a job at CNN as a host. Uh, I'd say he's the stupid-looking one, but that's the whole lineup there, quite frankly. So John Berman's on the Constipated News Network, and as you as you may know, most of you don't, because who watches? I don't. But nonetheless, he's a huge fan of Schmucky Schumer. And he listens to every word that the schmuckster has to say. And he almost regurgitates it. He almost regurgitates every word that the schmuckster has to say. And I'm going to prove it to you. Here's John Berman on CNN Today. Cut six, go. So you uh, are going to sit and listen to the Senate impeachment trial of the former president of the United States who has been impeached for inciting the erection, uh, inciting the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Isn't that pretty much exactly what the schmuckster had to say last week, Mr. Producer? So their minds are focused on erections, I think. Erections. Either that or they can't pronounce elections. Or, who knows what the problem is. But there's clearly a problem in the Liberal Democrat Party ranks, whether they're on the floor of the Senate or in our newsrooms in America. So, John Berman is uh, no Walter Cronkite. Uh, He is no uh, Howard K. Smith, who was among my favorite. Or David Brinkley, who was among my favorite. He's just another... CNN moron. And so to repeat, cut six, go. So you uh, are going to sit and listen to the Senate impeachment trial of the former president of the United States who has been impeached for inciting the erection. Uh, inciting and so the- I think for now on, ladies and gentlemen, we need to say, because you have the Senate wannabe majority leader, you have... Mr. Nobody, John Berman at CNN, insisting that this is an impeachment over the incitement of an erection. Now, is that constitutional? We need to ask one of our legal analysts, maybe Andy McCarthy can tell us. Is that, we definitely not ask uh, Tubin, Mr. Producer, because we don't know what kind of reaction we'll get from him, as you might imagine. So the question now is, When the president gave his speech, did he incite an erection uh, with Chuck Schumer and John Berman? I think it's a fair question. It's kind of grotesque, but they keep bringing it up. Maybe they'll investigate that. Maybe they'll investigate it. Maybe not. Let's take some calls. Let's see if our friends are still there. Lawrence, the state of Oregon, I mean the state of confusion. On the great KSLM, how may I? How are you, Lawrence? Um, this is Ronnie, but nevertheless, yes, I. Wait a minute, Ronnie, Mr. Peterson, Ronnie and Lawrence are two different names. You are aware of that? Okay, Ronnie, you go ahead. I'm gonna lay it on the line. Number one, yes, I'm in a Jezebel state. Number two, the purpose that they try and do is basically get us back to road to serfdom and slavery mindset. Mm. You cannot serve two masters of this country. You cannot go through and say that you're going to do something, but yet you're taking away the hands that makes individuality and self-empowerment a, a suffering of liberty from our creator. 
God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is, if you don't know your history, you're doing to repeat it. And mm-hmm. the problem is this. They dumb down our kids in the schools. They go through and eviscerate. If you're European-American, my family tree is very mixed, Irish, Cherokee, Greek, and, and, and black. But I don't see myself as a black person. I see myself as an American, an individualist, and I see myself that is, if you're going to do something, promise made, promise kept. That's what they liked about the president, the people. Mm-hmm. He was a servant of the people. He walked by God. Name a president in our lifetime, Mr. Levin, that mm-hmm. said, talked about God or gave God the glory, talked about our founding father's principles. And yet he wasn't perfect. I'll give you that. But his actions done more since Reagan or maybe Kennedy. But yet mm-hmm. they want to use race so that way they can hold the urban community. Forty-eight years I heard about we're going to put, make economic zones in the urban cities. This president did it 48 years later. Maxine Waters was a city councilman in L.A. All I see is they're using power, deception, envy, greed, evisceration of people's character and honor, or even put them out of business or try to throw them in jail. This is basically Khrushchev's world right now of the Democrat Party. And nobody don't understand that history, but Khrushchev said we'll beat ourselves from enemies within. And this is what we got with the Democrat Party, some Republicans, that establishment. They want us to be shut up. They do not want us to be involved. They do not want to stand, they do not want to stand on true principles, which was founded by Judeo-Christian values, but gave us this country, not just the economics. And yet, they want to keep us blind. And let me just add to the Democrat Party has embraced this radical, racist agenda called critical race theory. And basically, as I say, it was hatched by a cabal of law professors, and now it has spread throughout society, 1619 Project, into our schools, into our bureaucracy, because of the executive order Joe Biden just signed. And basically, that, that theory is this, that America can never be saved. It must be destroyed. Because forevermore, you have this white dominance in America. You have this white privilege, and you hear this all over the place now. And there's nothing that can be done about it as long as these institutions, the Constitution, uh, uh, the capitalist system are in existence because they perpetuate uh, this white supremacy. There's no neutral forums, no neutral courts, no neutral anything. Until the entire set. And so what it is, critical race theory is basically dressed up Marxism. And that's why you have Black Lives Matter, a fusion between the critical race theory and Marxism. And to watch these suckers in these corporations, on the basketball court, uh, on ESPN, on uh, CNN, on MSNBC, in these newspapers, to watch these suckers buy into this, and actually many have embraced it and believe it, is, is contemptible, because as you just pointed out, we are individual human beings. We, I don't care what race you are, I have different motivations than the white guy down the street, I have different motivations than, than, than relatives, I have different interests, different things affect me. It's not like, gee, look at me, I'm white, so I believe X, Y, Z. This is the dehumanization of individual Americans, but it makes it very neat and the narrative very, very persuasive if you are a a radical, a revolutionary who wants to categorize people into groups. 
categorize them into stereotypes while claiming that you oppose stereotypes. It is a very diabolical ideology, and this is what we're facing right now. Ronnie, I want to thank you for your call. Very, very sharp. I appreciate it. Let's continue, shall we? I think we will. Uh, Let's go to Steve, Springfield, Massachusetts, on the Mark Levin app. Steve, I got a problem here, buddy. My damn printer is uh, is clogged up. But anyway, you go right ahead. Uh, what, what a great caller that last caller was. Yeah, he you, was. Know, you guys are exactly right about, about critical race theory and the overarching uh, philosophy behind it, which is this historicism. And uh, Karl Popper wrote a book on the poverty of historicism, which I want to get because— um, And the name of the book is? The Open Society. Uh, 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 well, isn't it called the, the the poverty of historicism? Well, there is that. I quote Popper fairly liberally in uh, Emeritopia, by the way. He he was a brilliant, brilliant man. And, uh, you know, Soros is said to have been an adherent to Popper, but he bastardizes Popper's writings. I'm just saying this. <clears throat> but he had Marxism all right. He, he uh, really broke it into a thousand pieces. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, well, what, what they did is they took on this critical race theory, and because the United States, the ruling, because the ruling power structure set laws, well, they, they tried to make this thing where it's all illegitimate, it's all racist. Mm-hmm. They blame everything on racism, and racism is something that you're just supposed to let them speak because you can't argue against it. And uh, why it, can't it, you it, argue against it? Because well, C- you're white. I, I just... They say if you're not, if you're not black then you can't, you can't really respond. And if you are black and you disagree with them, then really you may be black physically, but when it comes to your mind and your thinking me- method, you're really white. So in other words, if you disagree with them, uh, then, then you're a racist, period. Right, exactly. Well, not only, well, I bought Critical Race Theory, and I'm reading the glossary because that's the fastest way to absorb the contents of a book, because this is really an evil doctrine. Um, so, so Biden signs this executive order to spread racial equity. Now, you say you're looking at that book. Let me ask you a question. Why is Biden using the word equity and not equality? It's not because of what people think. Why is that? Well, equality has to do with the equal distribution, which um, uh, James Madison rebuked in the Federalist Number Ten. He, he called it. No, no. Why, why, why is Biden not using the phrase racial equality, but using the phrase racial equity? I'll tell you why. Somebody wrote that for him, who is extraordinarily radical, because. One of the founding fathers of the critical race theory, and I'm not going to keep going off on this. I'm just pointing out. A guy by the name of Derek Bell, he said all this talk about equality and the civil rights movement and Brown versus Board of Education, all that is, is a, are decisions that make white people feel good because they didn't change a damn thing for the outcomes of the black person. And so they dismiss this term equality as the white privilege, the white person's way of sort of generalizing the plight of the whole of, of, of minorities. And so somebody who believes in this stuff actually changed the word equality to equity for Joe Biden to avoid criticism from the most radical elements of our colleges and universities. That's why they put the word equity in there. I'm just explaining that to the American people. 
Great call, my friend. Very, very informed. We'll be right back. Mark in. Let us go to Rob. If he's still there, Grand Rapids on the Mark Levin app. How are you, sir? Mr. Levin, thank you for taking my call. As usual, a great show. Oh, thank you. You mentioned earlier that you mentioned earlier that uh, you uh, kind of stay up at night wondering how to solve some of the problems that we have in this country. And I got to tell you, without trying to sound too negative, I think this country is lost. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing we can do is to slow it down. And, you know, people say, well, you know, you, 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 you speak up by voting at the ballot box. The problem is, and I live in a state where we have an idiot that was just elected that voted for mm-hmm. impeachment, Mr. Meyer, Representative Meyer. Boy, what a fool. The Republicans, no kidding, no mm-hmm. kidding. The, the, I've, I've been telling people that the, the liberals, the Democrats are evil, and the Republicans are wussies. They don't mm-hmm. want to play, I don't want to say dirty. You, you should have some morals and ethics, but they just sit back, and, and Turtle Man is worthless, and a whole lot of them are pretty much worthless. And that's why I believe this country is lost, because I don't think voting is going to make a difference. The only thing that will, sir, and I say this with all respect and seriousness, is people like yourself, uh, Rush, God help us all when he's gone, and uh, uh, Glenn Beck and Hannity. What do you want us to do, sir? Fight until they drag your sorry butts out of the studio and shut you down permanently. All right, sir. Well, I'm going to do that. But it's going to take more than that. It is going to take voting. It's going to take changing legislatures. It's going to take forcing Republican legislatures to act. It's going to take you folks contacting a member of the House and Senate, let them know that you're going to run against them, or you're going to defeat them, or you're going to do whatever you have to do. It takes state attorneys general bringing reams and reams of lawsuits against these fraudulent executive orders. And a host of other things. Thank you for your call, sir. All right, here. This is interesting. So we have Mark Zuckerberg, January 21, on a conference call recorded by the great Project Veritas. And Roy Austin, Vice President of Civil Rights, Deputy General Counsel of Facebook, uh, on a conference call. And we're going to play that, too. And we're going to see exactly what these people have to say. Um, And uh, then we're going to go to Jen Psaki. You're wondering why your speech is under attack? Well, these identity uh, ideologies based on race, ethnicity, genitalia, and all the rest of it, they believe that if you oppose them or you speak out against their political, social, cultural views, that's hate speech. And that all hate speech should be banned. Because if it's not banned, then basically you're able to use speech to undermine them. This is their view. This is why you see in these various woke industries and so forth support the bans. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. So you uh, are going to sit and listen to the Senate impeachment trial of the former president of the United States who has been impeached for inciting the erection. Uh, inciting the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol. Mm-hmm. Schumer's boy there. They both have something in common. They have erections on their minds, Mr. Producer. Hello, I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. And for the children listening out there, Remember the erection sets, Mr. Producer? Were you young enough to remember that? Old enough to remember that? That's what we're talking about, tell them. You know, the erection sets. I remember as a kid, they were made out of metal, thin metal, some kind of metal, and you would erect them. And that's what we're talking about. Inciting an erection of, you know, of a building or whatever. I forget the name of the, uh, of the product. I'll have to look that up now that I'm thinking about it (laughs) these idiots can't help it anyway over at PJ Media Tyler O'Neill very good writer and I would argue reporter anatomy of a cover up media outlets Barry Cuomo nursing home report censor guest update now this guy Cuomo really should be off to prison he's got more blood on his hands than than a butcher he really does On Monday morning, Dawn Best, whose mother died in April after COVID-19 ravaged her nursing home, accused NBC News and other outlets of censoring her condemnations of Governor Andrew Cuomo. As you know, Cuomo infamously directed nursing homes to accept patients who tested positive for COVID-19 in contradiction of federal guidelines. NBC News allegedly told Best not to even mention Cuomo's name in her interview. Meanwhile, other legacy media outlets ignored the story altogether. And now we know, thanks to Letitia James, of all people, and her damning report, that Cuomo under, underreported uh, deaths in nursing homes and uh, senior citizen facilities by 50%. Don't we call that like a criminal cover-up, Mr. Producer? Yet Best story proved the most egregious. Appearing on Fox and Friends Monday morning, Best said the multiple news outlets coached her to leave Cuomo out of her criticism of New York's COVID-19 nursing home policy. This, this is just the way it is. It's disgusting. While I like to say Governor Cuomo failed us now, I'm allowed to say it on your program, Best said. And Yes, all right, there we go. Well, I kind of got used to it because the media was never letting me say Governor Cuomo all along, and it was being cut out of every interview that I was in. Then I started uh, every sentence that they asked with Governor Cuomo, so they couldn't do that to me. So then they were forced to literally ask me to cut out Governor Cuomo's name, the woman said. Lester Holt's show wasn't the only one to do it. Lester, Lester, Lester. 
Lester. May I call you Lester? What are you doing, Lester? So what happened specifically on that show was I was telling them that Governor Cuomo failed us. His book should be named not the lessons of leadership. It should be lessons in failure. Best recalled. She added that an NBC News staffer stopped me and she said to me, can you say that a different way without Governor Cuomo's name and just say New York failed you? So I had no choice. I had to say New York failed me. Oh, yeah. All of you people in New York, you failed the lady. Not Cuomo. We're not going to hold him to account. No. According to best multiple media outlets, not only censored her interviews to cut out criticisms of Cuomo, but also directed her to avoid mentioning the governor's name at all. Yet Bess has a deeply personal reason to condemn Cuomo's policy. She said, my mom was in the best nursing home getting the best care pre-March 24, 27. Fine, healthy, and happy. Within three weeks of Cuomo's deadly directive, where he sent the COVID-positive patients into the nursing home, my mother was dead from neglect. That was because the nursing home was overrun with COVID patients. I know this because the doctor told me when I called and asked what was wrong with my mother, she said, and this is a quote, she was frantic. She said, the culprit is everywhere. It's in every unit. The doctors have it. The nurses have it. And your mother may have it. I had her tested. She didn't have it. It was dehydration. Best recalled. My mother died in neglect because of Governor Cuomo, the bereaved daughter concluded. Now, Best's mother may not have died from COVID-19, but Cuomo's policy appears to have significantly contributed to her death. Yet Cuomo's deflected criticism, accusing the Trump administration of launching a political attack, falsely insisting that he followed federal guidance on the issue, which, of course, he did not. He's a liar. Yet the legacy media has brushed aside criticism of Cuomo's COVID-19 policies. Cuomo even won an Emmy Award from his, for his daily COVID-19 briefings, and published a book about his supposed success in handling the pandemic. PJ Media's Matt Margolis eviscerated the basic premise of Cuomo's book, briefly laying out the governor's many errors on the pandemic. Now, despite Cuomo's shoddy record, CNN brought the governor on its news shows no fewer than 47 times since the beginning of March 2020, according to a search of CNN transcripts. That's all right. They had uh, the porn uh, actress on there, I think, uh, 447 times. And her corrupt lawyer, 4,047 times. So, you know. Over the last 10 months, CNN invited the governor onto his brother's show no fewer than 11 times. Most of these appearances proved rather chummy, with Chris Cuomo joking about the pandemic with his brother. Perhaps the most cringeworthy interview came last May when Chris Cuomo teased his brother with a giant test swab rather than pressing the governor on his nursing home scandal. Now, this interview took place a mere 10 days after the governor had finally rescinded the policy. Here's a list of Cuomo's appearances on CNN. March 3rd, March 7th, March 8th, March 9th, March 10th, March 11th, March 14th, 15th, 16th. March 17, 18, 20, 22, 23, 27, 27, 28, 30. April 2nd, April 5th, April 5th, April 7th, 8th, 13th, 13th, 15th, 2020. Excuse me, 22nd, 23rd, May 3rd, May 5th, May 13th, 20th, June 1st, 12th, 18th, 22nd, 24th, 16th, uh, July 16th, July 24th. 
September 25, October 9, October 13, October 26, November 13, November 13, December 21, January 26. Boy, he's appearing like a uh, like a bad rash. Media bias like this helps explain how the uninspiring Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. defeated Donald Trump in the 2020 election, they write, while legacy media outlets demonized Trump's COVID-19 response even resorting to outright lies and condemning him for xenophobia when he used the same words to refer to the pandemic that legacy media reporters had months earlier. They repeatedly praised Cuomo, despite the governor's serious failings. Even after last week's damning report, many outlets are still carrying Cuomo's water. An NBC News source gave media a full version, now whatever, of the NBC News interview featuring Best, and the video appears to contradict Best's claims. In the interview, Best asked NBC reporter Kristen Dogren to ask her the question in a different way because it didn't say uh, that as well as I could. Oh, yes. All right, so there's a correction here. But what isn't corrected? Cuomo's a liar. He was on CNN 47 times. He takes no responsibility for what he did. He lies about federal guidelines that didn't, certainly did not require him. At the time, we spoke about this at some length. We had Dr. Healy, who called into the program, and she called into the program last week. I mean, if Cuomo got an Emmy, how come, if he's blaming Trump, how come Trump didn't get an Emmy, too? I mean, Cuomo's writing about his great success. Now he's writing, well, it really wasn't me. It was Trump, Trump, Trump. Talk about impeached. That a-hole should be impeached and removed. But he won't be. Meanwhile, Politico is running cover for Joe Biden. No surprise there, ladies and gentlemen. It's a mess. Biden's first 10 days dominated by vaccine mysteries. So the incompetence and inexperience of the Biden team reveals itself. As we all know it would. And so now they they can't locate upwards of 20 million vaccines. They don't know if they've been sent to the states, and the whole process is a mess. They inherited a mess and no vaccines. No, they inherited vaccines that were being distributed to the states for distribution to hospitals and other facilities for distribution to patients. They inherited everything. It's just that they're screw-ups. And Biden gave the impression during his campaign from his basement uh, that this was something that could be overcome if he would just wear a mask, just give him the levers of power. He'll make everything better. It'll be smoothly done, efficiently done. We'll have a zillion vaccines for a zillion people. And Because he's a fool. He's a liar. The left, they always lie about what they're capable of and what they're going to do. They always tell you they're going to give you the moon. And then they wind up mooning you, Mr. Producer. That's where they are. Joe Biden is an incompetent boob. He was an incompetent boob even when he had his sanity. He didn't know how to deal with the SARS virus. And uh, he doesn't know how to deal with this. Except he goes around firing everybody who actually figured out how to handle this. But the media want to help him desperately. They want to destroy Trump. And they want to promote Biden. But we're on to them. 
I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Got the Zuckerberg, I mean Berg or whatever. Mark Zuckerberg, January 21, conference call recorded by Project Veritas. We care deeply about Biden's executive orders. But Facebook has too much power, perhaps. First, you'll hear Zuckerberg. Then you'll hear Nick Clegg, head of global affairs. For Why does that name sound familiar to me? Anyway, cut 10, go. In his first day, President Biden already issued... A number of executive orders um, on area uh, quite deeply about. But there has been quite a lot of disquiet expressed by many leaders around the world, from the president of Mexico to Alexander Navalny in Russia, and Chancellor Angela Merkel, and others saying, well, this shows that private companies have got too much power, and they should be only making these decisions in a way that is framed by democratically uh, agreed rules. We agree with that. We agree with that. Mark will be very clear about that, that ideally we wouldn't be taking these decisions on our own. We would be taking these decisions in line with and in conformity with democratically uh, 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 agreed uh, rules and principles. Um, And at the moment, those democratically uh, democratically agreed rules don't exist. We still have to take decisions in real time. What a rambling buffoon. So is Zuckerberg. You have to wonder, how did this guy become a multi-billionaire? This guy doesn't even qualify to run the fryer at Burger King. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I said he doesn't qualify. That would be Zuckerberg. In his first day, President Biden, the key, has already issued a number of executive orders on areas that we as a company really care quite deeply about. Okay. So you see, Zuckerberg's part of the base, his company's part of the base, and these executive orders are quite radical. And Zuckerberg says, well, we like them as a company. Now, the fact that they're executive orders and not legislation doesn't bother Zuckerberg at all. He feels he's untouchable. He feels he's immune from the law and immune from public opinion. Now we get to listen to Roy Austin, Vice President of Civil Rights and Deputy General Counsel at Facebook, I guess at the same uh, discussion. First, Guy Rosen, Vice President of Integrity. Boy, they have a lot of Vice Presidents over there, don't they, Mr. Producer? Cut 11, go. 
we have a system that uh, is able to freeze commenting on threads in cases where systems are uh, detecting that there may be a thread that has hate speech or violence sort of in the comments. These are all things we've built over the past three, four years as part of our investments into the integrity space or efforts to protect elections. I you, wonder- know, you know, listen, listen to the arrogance, the condescension, and the idiocy. Investments into the integrity space or efforts to protect elections. To protect elections? Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is about free speech. It's not about protecting elections or protecting Democrats or protecting anything. This is about free speech, but you just heard from this clown, Guy Rosen, Vice President of Integrity. Now, Guy, how can you be Vice President of Integrity if you have none, in my humble opinion? And we don't need, just look how they talk, like they're, they're weird. Part of our investments into the integrity space are efforts to protect elections. So he's going to protect our elections, you know, from you and me. Now we get to hear from Roy Austin. Go. Whether or not we can use Oculus to help a white police officer understand what it feels like to be a young black man who's stopped and searched and arrested by the police. And I want every major decision to run through a civil rights lens. Stop. He wants every major decision to be run through a civil rights lens. Now let me tell you, that phraseology, I've been studying this hard. It's very close to this critical race theory where they want every decision run through a racial lens. That's what he's trying to say, Roy Austin. This is why you're having problems with Facebook. Now Zuckerberg, go. We're, we're all important and positive steps, and um, I, I am looking forward uh, to, to opportunities where Facebook is going to be able to work together uh, with this new administration um, on some of their top priorities, starting uh, with the COVID response. Well, there you have it. There you have it. The emperor has no clothes and a stupid haircut. They look forward to working with the uh, Biden administration on a number of uh, their priorities, including the COVID response. So uh, they're all in with Biden. They're going to protect Biden. Uh, They're all in with critical race theory and identity politics. Uh, But so are the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN and MSNBC and all the other reprobates. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. 
That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now. 877-381-3811. Representative Elise Stefanik is really a terrific representative. I don't know all her politics and political views and all, but when I watch her, she's sharp, she's solid, she's principled. So it's nice to have you on the program. How are you? Great to be with you, Mark. Well, you're coming under a lot of attack these days. You know that better than anybody. At Harvard, at the Times uh, Union of Albany, ABC News, Matthew Dowd. Uh, what are they saying about you, and why do you think they're doing this? Well, they're attacking me because I'm standing up for my constituents and the Constitution. This is nothing new. Republicans and conservatives have faced the endless attacks, especially over the past four years, as there was growing grassroots and voter support for President Trump. And the attacks really started against me when I stood up for the truth, the Constitution, the American people, and the president during the sham impeachment hearings a year ago, the first impeachment Mm -hmm. uh, under Adam Schiff's regime of secrecy. Now I'm being attacked by by Harvard, where I actually graduated from as an undergrad, and I always joke and tell my constituents that's not the achievement, graduating from Harvard. The achievement is staying a conservative. Mm -hmm. But because I objected to the electoral college votes in four states, they chose to kick me off the board of the supposed bipartisan Institute of Politics. Now, it is not a bipartisan board. It is now 100% made up of Joe Biden voters. So it's more of the same that we're seeing of cancel culture on our college campuses. And it really is an attack on the student body and academic freedom. But I will always stand up for my constituents, my district, and the Constitution. And I want to thank you for that. Um, It is amazing what's going on, the amount of repression in this country right now, and the attack on speech uh, by these, these organizations that effectively are surrogates of the left and the government. Um, And you have newspapers that are actually cheering this on. I mean, you have CNN, which is uh, some of their hosts, or at least one of them, is demanding that these cable companies take Fox off the air. Uh, And you have a newspaper in Albany that was particularly uh, outrageous. They let this leftist and this pro-abortion guy uh, write a piece, basically trashing you and your husband, correct? That is correct. This was really gutter politics. Uh, my husband and I were a young married couple. You know, I was 30 years old when I was first elected to the United States Congress as the youngest woman ever elected. Um, we have not been blessed with children. We hope to be blessed with children. And uh, they allowed someone under their masthead to attack us as childless. Now, imagine if that attack happened against a liberal Democratic member of Congress. It would be on every single network news for weeks on end. We called out the paper. They quietly took it down. They have yet to apologize. But this is the double standard that we see every single day in the media when it comes to how they treat conservative women versus how they treat liberal women. It is amazing. I mean, you don't have to support Sarah Palin. I did. 
uh, but they talk about the first uh, woman vice president and so forth. They didn't want the first woman vice president when her name was Sarah Palin. They didn't want the second black uh, Supreme Court justice when his name was Clarence Thomas. They, they, what they're talking about is liberal women, liberal minorities. That's really what they're pushing for. ABC News, you have this guy, Matthew Dowd, who's sort of Republican reprobate, or at least he was a Republican. And he says, you're an example why you shouldn't just elect women or millennials to Congress. What do you, what do you make of that? Well, Matt Dowd had to apologize very quickly, and ABC News should have removed him as the political editor or whatever his position is. The good news is, Mark, it's meaningless when you talk to voters. When I talk to my constituents, they're focused on my job representing them in Congress. They don't pay attention to these never-Trump tweets from people like Matt Dowd. But Matt Dowd did have to apologize, and it's just growing out of touch with the American people and how frustrated they are with the chattering cocktail class that's in the beltway. Um, Again, I'm voted into office by my constituents, not by elites who spend their entire days on Twitter. And I'm very grateful for for the support for all of my districts. Now, let's talk about some of this. You have a president who is signing executive orders uh, like he's a king. He's uh, these aren't these aren't Executive orders simply aimed at reversing what President Trump did. These are substantive pieces of legislation that they call executive orders, one after another after another. He barely takes any questions from anybody unless it's all scripted. Uh, He's going around Congress, and that is violating uh, separation of powers. You have the uh, the president of the United States also uh, apparently has no problem with open borders, stops the wall. He has the power to stop a pipeline in the middle of it being constructed, um, even though it has nothing to do with pollution, the opposite, because obviously, you know, trucks and trains have more accidents and the potential for pollution. He, uh, he's pushing with this COVID uh, bill uh, $15 minimum wage. Now, they have $15 minimum wage in a lot of metropolitan areas, but in a lot of suburban areas and rural areas, they do not. And they simply can't afford it or these little businesses are going to go under and so forth. What do you make of this imperial presidency? Well, I think uh, President Biden holds the record. And on his first day in office, he issued more executive orders by far than any other previous president, Democrat or Republican. Uh, This is because they have to appease the far left, this march towards socialism. When it comes to the Keystone XL pipeline decision, that on day one, destroys thousands and thousands of good-paying jobs, particularly in a very challenging economy as we work to beat COVID. Uh, In addition, the stopping of the construction of the border wall, uh, there historically has been bipartisan support for increased border security. It's only become recently that the siren song of the left has been open borders. That is not where the American people are on these issues. And I also think the American people are waking up to the media just fawning day after day over President Biden and Vice President Harris, whereas we just had four years of the media opposing and uh, really really undermining the Trump presidency, not focusing on fair questions or the results that this administration, previous administration, worked to deliver. So I think we're going to see more of one-party rule from the left and from this administration, but I think that gives Republicans an opportunity as we head into 2022 that will be similar to the wave we saw in 2010. Here's my concern. Their agenda 
and I talked about in this first era of this show, their agenda is intended almost exclusively to empower the Democrat Party. H.R. 1, all those changes are intended to make the Democrat Party a permanent majority party, as they did in California, as they try to do in New York. The changes in the Senate, which they hope to make, again, intended to empower the Democrat Party. Um, The changes that they want to make to the courts, again, intended to empower the Democrat Party's agenda, get rid of the filibuster if they could, empower the Democrat Party's agenda. In other words, it seems to be party empowerment first and country second. How do you see this? I agree with you. I think the Democratic Party is putting their party first over governing for the American people. You know, Joe Biden and the administration can give as much lip service as they want to being bipartisan, yet every action that they've taken since he was sworn into office has been empowering the Democratic Party and not reaching out to Republicans. I know today he invited those 10 Republican senators, but immediately they put out a statement criticizing the proposal that the Republican senators put out regarding a more balanced COVID relief bill rather than a $1.9 trillion wish list, which you said included, and you're correct, a $15 minimum wage, which would devastate economies in rural America that are suffering already because during the COVID pandemic. So I do think this is about um, coalescing further power. You can look no further than New York State. We see it every single day with the worst governor in America, Governor Cuomo. Uh, it is about the Democratic Party over the people of New York, and I think we're seeing that trend at the national level with President Biden. And look at the schools. I mean, Biden and his chief of staff basically back the teachers' union because they provide 2.2 million precinct workers. Now, I, I saw a study over the years about 30, 35% of the teachers are Republican, but the vast majority are not. And the vast majority are rather left, and the leadership is radical left. And so this is why they oppose school choice. You know, big civil rights issue as far as I'm concerned. You talk about equality or equity. And, and also, he doesn't want to turn off the teachers. In fact, in that COVID-19 bill, correct me if I'm wrong, there's, there's like a quarter of a billion dollars for the, uh, for the schools. They already passed like $70 billion and most of them are closed. Yes, we actually have passed, as you said, upwards of $70 billion in previous COVID packages directly to school districts. Uh, I'm very proud in school districts in my district. Our teachers have done a tremendous job making sure that students can learn in person. And it was interesting when they surveyed parents, most school districts, over 90% of parents said they want their kids learning in school. They saw during the remote learning last year that you had very concerning statistics. Kids were not getting the accurate academic uh, rigor that they deserve. You saw increases in child abuse cases. You saw increases in neglect. You saw increases in students who completely were no longer in touch with the school district or parents that did not respond to the school district. Our kids need to be in school, and I think it's a travesty that the administration is siding with the teachers' union in Chicago and not the students. We should be focusing on our students and young people to make sure that they get access to the best education because this is going to have a lasting effect effect. You know, you learn so much at every grade level, every month of school to continue your academic uh, pathway towards success. So I I really uh, credit those parents who are speaking out uh, on behalf of their students, because we know the unions aren't prioritizing the students. Tell us, um, and I'm not familiar, your district includes what towns? 
So my district, I represent the North Country in New York. It's 40% of the geography of New York State. It is north of Albany. It starts in Saratoga County. It goes up to the Canadian border, and then it goes to Watertown. So I have almost all of the Adirondacks. It's very rural. I have some suburbs, but I spend a lot of time traveling the district, meeting with constituents in small towns and villages throughout the Adirondacks. Well, I don't think they could do better with a representative than you, if I may say so, just looking from afar, and I want to wish you uh, all the best of luck. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thanks for the opportunity to allow me to talk about the North Country. You got it. God bless, and take care of yourself. You too. Thanks. There, There is a young person, a young lady, you can tell, very classy, very articulate, very intelligent, who's a conservative, so they try to destroy her who opposed impeachment and was one of the most effective people fighting it in Congress. So they got to take her out. She raised serious questions about those four battleground states that we have raised here over and over, purely on constitutional grounds. And she's right. We're right. I'm right. And for this, again, they have to try to destroy her. This is Marxism. They don't want debate They don't want ideas. They want power. I've told you that for years. That's what it's all about. Power. You're going to hear other people repeating now. And you know what? I hope they do. I hope they do. What I discussed at length during the first hour and in other occasions. That everything the Democrat Party is doing now, whether it's Biden's executive orders, whether it's Schumer's legislative agenda, is all aimed at empowering the Democrat Party delivering for its base, empowering the base, weakening the Republican base, dispersing the Republican base, punishing the Republican base, but most of all, empowering the Democrat Party. Because in these Marxist or neo-Marxist regimes, it's the party that comes first. And the Democrat Party has become a neo-Marxist, European-type party. And so, as I said earlier in the program, we, we are faced with a president who conducts himself like a monarch and they want iron-fisted central control over society and yet simultaneously we're faced with mob rule in the Congress Uh, because they are not going to abide by traditions they're not going to abide by customs and they're not going to abide by the four corners of the Constitution in fact their target is the Constitution it stands in the way of their of their obsessive Uh, desire to control you. But she's a breath of fresh air. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us. 
we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. There is a scandal at the Lincoln Project. 21 men have accused one of their founders, John Weaver, a longtime rhino, who advised John McCain and John Kasich of making sexual overtures, overtures to young men, including a 14-year-old. Now, the question is this, and of course they backed Biden, just so you know, and backed the Democrats. The question is this. Did the other founders of the Lincoln Project know anything about this? I think a nice, big lawsuit needs to be fired into that organization like a torpedo. And every one of these reprobates needs to be deposed. What did they know, if anything, and when did they know it, if ever? That's what needs to happen. That's what needs to happen. Weaver sent over, according to the New York Slimes, overt sexual solicitations to at least 10 of the men and in most explicit messages offer professional personal assistance in exchange for sex. So I don't know how the Lincoln Project ducks this. I mean, ducks a lawsuit. I'm not saying they're guilty, of course. I'm saying there needs to be discovery, and there should be discovery. Wide discovery of everybody who founded that entity and everybody associated to that entity. And if they didn't know, it's kind of strange. Why wouldn't they know? Well, because Weaver kept it secret from us. So there was no inkling of it. I mean, you're talking about score plus one. That's a lot of people. And more may come forward. Of these men, Anthony Covell, 22, said Mr. Weaver had begun messaging him in July 2019. That exchange petered out, if you will. But on December 3, 2019, two weeks before the Lincoln Project was publicly announced, Mr. Weaver invited him to join the new initiative. Uh, Mr. Weaver suggested that Mr. Koval post a thirst trap or send me a pic, then asked him to call for more details on the project. Wow. Quite an operation, that Lincoln Project, Mr. Producer, don't you think? I don't think that project can get away with not being drawn into this. For instance, if I'm a lawyer for one of these these individuals, I want all texts, emails, communications, documents of any kind from the Lincoln Project, among other things, just to find out what, if anything, took place there. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I want to thank you, America. God bless each and every one of you, and I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.